Hello and welcome to the Baseball Wisconsin Podcast. I am your host, Tim Gotzler. Now today's episode, second inning of Game 5, takes us to a familiar place. Takes us up to Denmark, where we sit down with head baseball coach at Denmark High School and Division II state champ, back-to-back state champ, and second-time guest, the only second-time guest thus far on the Baseball Wisconsin Podcast, Bill Miller. Now, talking with Bill, just getting to relive uh, some absolute crazy days in Appleton. Um, for those who remember, um, we had a variety of things happening, um, you know, with weather and, and so many other things that, that, that went down that led Denmark again to a, another state championship in 2022. So congrats to him uh, and that, that entire community and their program in an already Hall of Fame and storied career. Just something else to add on, on the resume. Also, now we're going to release this before uh, day before the state coaches clinic, and if you get up there right away on Friday afternoon, um, Bill's part of a championship coaches panel uh, to to lead us off um, at the 2023 WBCA clinic uh, in Madison. So, really hope we can see you up there. Stop by the booth and say hi. I'm handing out programs and and everything else. Um, and also in today's episode, you know, we get a cameo appearance. Uh, I'll let you stick around and about halfway through the episode, see who who makes an appearance on there. And just really excited for um, all that Denmark has going on and and so happy for Bill and his program. So uh, without further ado, uh, head baseball coach at Denmark High School, Bill Miller. Hey, Bill, how are you doing today? Good. Thanks for having me on, Tim. Absolutely. Well, um, you know, you are our first repeat guest on the show, and we're really excited to have you back on. And um, I I was mentioned to you before we recorded that um, I I listened to the episode from last year and you know, got me re, um, recap a lot of what Denmark baseball is. But now, you know, this year you're back-to-back Division II state champions. You played Jefferson again in the state final. Um, you had two of the craziest games I think people can remember um, and all the situation that happened in Appleton. But what I really want to focus on right now is, you know, life inside of Denmark baseball and you being the guy at the top of that program and all the hats that you wear. And there's a lot of value in talking about like a one high school town. So what is it about Denmark baseball? What is it about the community? I know there's a tremendous support, but like if there's a coach listening, that's in a similar situation, like how do you build that community support? Um, like you said, it was, it was quite a day. Um, you know, it took a few days or weeks to, uh, kind of, uh, um, go back and think about all the things that happened that day, you know, from uh, getting moved over to nine house field and um, for that first game in the morning and then uh, finishing up later that afternoon. But uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was a long day and uh, obviously well worth it, but, you know, talking about the one high school town, um, you know, what we get because of that, we've uh, smaller school, you know, we're mid four hundreds, um, enrollment for the high school and so we have a lot of multi-sport athletes which I think is important uh these kids are competing uh year-round then you know whether it be uh basketball football uh as and um yeah, we had a couple of wrestlers the uh the first year in 2021 um so in fact I was looking at some of the stats eight out of the ten starters you know covered in the DH eight out of the 10 played three sports. Uh, the other two guys played two sports in the, and that was both years um, that we had that, 
situation. So these, these kids are competing, like I said, uh, which is important. Um, the other part of being in a, a one high school town is um, these guys are, you know, they get in their tournament teams in the summer. They are, um, they're playing together for many years. Um, it, and sometimes we, um, we don't have enough in one grade to complete a team. So um, look back at uh, a few years ago, um, that group that won the first state championship, a lot of those guys, you know, they wanted as juniors and seniors, a combination. And uh, those kids were playing together four or five years ago too um, on tournament teams because we couldn't uh, fill out a, a full team with just one grade. Um, you know, so I think that helped a lot that uh, these kids, they play together a lot throughout the uh, uh, summer and then besides the other sports that they play too. Well, and I know you mentioned um, on our last episode, right, that you're born and raised there. You spent your life there. You teach. You just retired from teaching. You've been coaching for 30 plus years. So obviously, you know these families, um, these other community members in so many different ways. But like other sports seem to have, I don't want to say as much success, but they have a lot of support. So are there things that you do or you see other coaches do in your community to really bring in um, the entire community if it's from you know, elementary, middle, and obviously high school, like, is there things that can be strategically done to, to get that community support? Um, you're correct. We do get a lot of community support, um, let's say with the, uh, uh, the crowds that uh, turned up at the games down in Appleton. Um, but you know, going back to the youth teams, um, we got some good youth coaches that, uh, uh, put a lot of time into uh, working with these kids as they come up. Um, it's one of those, I think a lot, a uh, big part of it is uh, the assistant coaches at the high school level too. Um, we're finally getting some uh, uh, longevity out of these guys. Uh, one guy, Luke Kuznowski, he's been with us for, I think, 17, 18 years now, um, which is important. He's, He's really good with, uh, works with the pitchers, especially, um, you know, Wes Mlezva has been with us for about 10 years. Um, you know, I think that's important that, uh, the younger kids see the, uh, high school coaches and they're there year, year after year now. Um, during the winter, we'll, uh, uh, the high school coaches will go to the, uh, so-called tournament team practices in the gym and, uh, help out with them. Um, you know, so there's some, uh, continuity there now, um, with the, uh, throughout the whole program from high school on down through, uh, the youth teams. Well, I think that those touch points with the, with the younger kids and those young, those youth coaches. So just kind of lay that out for us because are you, so you're, um, you're saying there's youth teams that practice on your campus. Or do they have separate facilities and then your coaches volunteer to go there? I mean, how does that set up work? Because that's that sounds like a, a phenomenal access to your youth programs. Finally, we just got a field house uh, three, four years ago, um, which has helped a lot. We've got a lot more space. So it's at the high school that the, the, the uh, youth teams are practicing uh, to play on a Sunday afternoon um, each week. And... Uh, We'll have our open gyms for the high school team, you know, maybe at 11 o'clock in the morning. And then uh, these youth teams will be coming in afterwards. And so the high school coaches will stick around 
and uh, work with them. Um, but yeah, we don't have uh, any of those um, big facilities nearby that uh, in a lot of uh, uh, bigger cities uh, have. Um, so it, like I said, the, having a field house does help a lot now. Well, I'm just picturing, right, you got, you know, an open gym from 11 to 1, let's say, and then you have a youth practice starting at 1 o'clock. Those coaches, those kids are getting a little early. They see the high school players. They see the high school coaches. You know, I think oftentimes we forget as coaches, and then I know your son, Brennan, who we're going to hear from a little bit later, um, they see the high school players. It's like them running into Christian Yelich or them running into Brandon Woodruff. Like, they are heroes to these kids, and they look up to them so much. So, I think probably just having that crossover of time and just to see them just creates good momentum. Is Would you say that's pretty accurate? Yeah, yeah. You know, now that you mention it, I think back to last year at one of those open gyms, uh, we were finishing up and uh, one of the youth coaches asked, hey, can, uh, I don't know great it was, but it was a young group, can they get their pictures taken with the, uh, with the high school kids? You know, and stop and think about it. Oh, that's kind of neat, you know, that these – these younger kids were uh, really excited about seeing uh, the older guys, you know, being at the, uh, being in the gym, you know, in January, February, as well as you know, they see the importance. Okay. These high school kids are doing this. Uh, I guess uh, it's important to be here too. That's incredible. Um, you talked about just the longevity of some of your coaches. And I know last episode, you laid out some of your lower levels as well. And you kind of are between, you know, three teams and two teams and you guys get creative with your schedule. My question as a staff, do you guys meet in the off season? Um, you know, what does that look like to kind of get on the same page? Um, yeah, I would communicate uh, like right now. We think we got our schedules finalized for um, uh, all three levels and uh, trying to, we got a sign up going on at the high school and kind of a good idea of uh, who's coming back. Uh, but I guess the main thing is looking how many freshmen will be joining. And uh, we got about a dozen that are signed up freshmen. Um, you know, we're right on that edge all the time of having that third team, which is nice to have, having, uh, having all three levels. Um, you know, but we asked about the coaches communicating. Yes, we do. Um, you know, just thinking about, uh, where, uh, where some kids may end up being, um, playing both, uh, a JV one and a varsity splitting time. Uh, we've done that in the past, you know, with a pitcher that may not be ready for varsity level pitching, but, uh, each week you'll get a, uh, a game at the JV level and then come up and play varsity, um, the other games during the week. Um, like, so, you know, the success you've had over your career, you know, WBSA hall of famer now back-to-back state championship, right. One would, would say, well, he, they got it all figured out, right. There, there's nothing that they're working on knowing you, I know you're always working on something, you and your staff are working on some project and maybe it's something that Brendan brought back from the college level or something you've picked up at clinics over the years at this point, you know, of the year, looking into 2023 and beyond, what are you working on right now? Um, as a coach, well, what are you working on as a staff to get better for next year? Um, you know, I was, we don't have it all figured out by any means. Uh, go to the uh, WBCA uh, uh, clinic each year, and uh, it's so beneficial uh, just listening to the other uh, coaches 
speak. And uh, we, we pick up so much uh, information from that. Um, I look forward to going there every year in February, um, you know, bring back stuff, uh, different drills, so forth, back to our program. Um, you know, we're, we're stealing stuff from everybody else. You know, we didn't come up with any um, any magic formula. It's, uh, it's uh, taking stuff from everybody else that's uh, been beneficial for us. That's incredible. Um, just kind of sticking into Denmark a little bit. I, I had a conversation. Um, I forgot with who it was, but it was after your state tournament game. Again, back-to-back state champs. And we were talking about just the wildness of that day. And, and someone said, that's just kind of the Denmark way. That's what they do. It's just what Denmark does. And I thought, well, I don't know if there's a better compliment you can give to a program. So like, if you had to define the, the Denmark way or kind of how you guys have branded this program to the success that you've had, um, you know, how would you put your finger on that? Um, kind of a uh, uh, unique way. Uh, did they explain what the Denmark way was? It was just, again, coming back, fighting, grinding oh, out at bats, right. two strike hitting, just like just that toughness is kind of what really. Oh, okay. out. Yeah. You know, uh, sometimes we're kind of an unorthodox uh, way of playing. You know, we're, we're trying to create different ways of scoring. You know, we you know, look back at the book uh, yesterday. Um, you know, we struck out 14 times against Pewaukee out of our 21 outs. So uh, we had to find different ways to try to score. Um, and I think that's kind of what we do um, at practice. We try to diff- uh, think of different ways. All right, uh, you're struggling to hit the ball. What can you do? You know, do you need the bunt? Do you need the slap hit or whatever it may be um, to, uh, you know, produce a good at bat? Um, so that might be what the people are talking about. Um, and we, you know, we'll practice that at, uh, you know, during this, during the season, uh, different ways, uh, that each kid can be, uh, uh, contribute. Speaking of practice planning, um, you know, I, what, when, when I bring up practice planning in season, you know, is there different parts of the season you guys try to script out? Is it based on just what the team needs? Uh, do you prioritize your pitching? Is there certain types of drills that you really focus on? You know, when you think about practice planning throughout a season, you know, what, what comes to mind? Um, you know, probably half or probably more than half of practices are indoors. So um, you get kind of limited what you can do. Uh, but Typically, uh, half the practice is out on what would be the field area of the gym, uh, working on uh, especially bunt coverages defensively. Um, work a lot on that. Try to limit uh, what teams, uh, you know, what they're going to do against us. Um, our pitchers, then we get a, the other half is pitchers and hitting. Uh, so the pitchers, Catchers go into another room. Um, we got a nice little uh, area that's about, uh, about 100 by 100 feet, which uh, we can get uh, all the pitcher pitchers working together in there. Um, and there's two batting cages. So we uh, uh, get about 40, 45 minutes worth of uh, hitting at the same time as our pitchers are getting their work in. Um but a lot of it's repetition. Um, that's, you know, baseball is all about repetition. Um, 
it's uh, going over and over um, the different things that may happen in the game. Thinking about your practice planning in, in the gym, you know, I think a lot of us high school coaches, obviously in Wisconsin, we're in the gym a lot. Um, and with your situation, do you guys practice with the JV? Um, it it kind of changes. Unfortunately, a lot of our practices are with the uh, girls softball team. Uh, so they'll be over by the batting cages on that part of the gym, and we'll be in the fielding area. And then halfway through, we uh, flip-flop with them, the varsity softball team. Our JV teams, um, they might be in the uh, would be the old gym, or they may be over at the uh, middle school gym. So we don't get a chance to practice with them a, a lot, unfortunately. Um, Try to get them like the first uh, first couple practices. I'd, I'd like to get them all together. You know, whatever we got, like 40, 40 some players. Uh, get them all together uh, so that they see what the, uh, the varsity team is practicing on and so forth. But it just uh, it gets to be too many um, players together, and you know, then we got to we got to split up. Yeah, I'm sure you love standing around at practice as much as the other coaches, right? It just drives you nuts yeah. when kids are standing right. around. <laughs> um, thinking of a few more things about you know inside your program, developing leadership, and it seems like. You know, there's there's times in the season, and this is an outsider looking in, but it seems like you're you have strong leaders, um, player leaders on your team, and at some point in the season, you kind of turn it over to them. And how do you develop that leadership? Um, and part of it might be the multi-sport kid, or the you know they've grown up together. But when you think about leadership inside of your program, how would you how would you describe that? Yeah, I think it's a unique situation. Uh, each year is different, um, and uh, you, you kind of find out who those leaders are. Um, you know, throughout this, you know, the previous season, we'll uh, figure that out and okay, approach these two, three, four kids, whatever it may be, and uh, say, hey, you, you want to be uh, the captain? You know, and more often than not, you know, they're gonna sure, sure, okay. You know, you understand what it means to be uh, a leader of the team. And uh, more often than not, they don't, they don't need a whole lot of prepping. Uh, they know what it takes. Um, yeah, you know, we, we let them take control of the team, as you mentioned. Uh, it's, it's their team. You know, it's not, they're not playing for me. They're not playing for the other coaches. It's, it's their team. Um, and, um, you know, for example, the uh, captains, they're the ones that will uh, – uh, the, they're the ones emptying out the, uh, the equipment out of the, uh, the back of my car um, each day at, at, when we're down at the diamond. Uh, they're the ones that are taking the lead at putting the equipment back in the car. Uh, they're the ones taking the lead, um, raking the field afterwards, um, packing down the mound. Um, so you get guys like that that are the leaders. They're doing the work, and uh, the rest of the guys uh, then – fall into place you know they understand that okay if the best players the leaders are doing all the uh work uh they're gonna fall in the fall in line too i think that's huge right for young young people to see their peers and sometimes the best players on the team you know doing that that grunt work a little bit um you did mention <laughs> something earlier that i wanted to come back to you guys were talking about as a staff you know you identify younger kids as, as future leaders and you approach them as captains now like what 
what types of things do you recognize? Do you notice that says that that demonstrates leadership? Um, it's difficult to uh, place a finger on one certain thing. It just, uh, you look at the previous year, they're the ones uh, talking, um, you know, just the last couple of years, we had a shortstop, Abe Kapanos, you know, he, I don't think he, uh, I don't think he shut up uh, for seven innings. You know, he's constantly talking uh, to to the other guys on the team, not uh, not trash talking the other the other opponent. He's always talking to our, um, you know, to our outfielders, second baseman, third baseman, just uh, letting them know, you know, the situation. Hey, if you get the ball here, I'll, I'll be there. We got uh, we got one out, two outs, whatever the situation may be. He uh, he's always letting everybody else know um, uh, what to do and uh, be prepared. Stuff like that. You see that uh, um, from the previous year. And, uh, you know, they're going to make good captains, good uh, leaders. Um, and look at my son, Brennan. He was a year older, um, graduated 21. He was the same way. Um, he, was, he, he did a lot of it off the mound, you know. He turned back and talked to every infielder, give them a situation. Hey, they bunt here if they do this be ready for that um stuff like that you know it's like always communicating with the um the rest of the uh the players on the field that's really helpful and you know i one thing that stands out to me that, that i really want to ask you now over this storied hall of fame career you've had <coughs> is you've had you know i'm sure a long list of, of great players come through your program and instead of mentioning them all what I want to think about is like, what attributes did those best players have? What was it about them? What characteristics did they have that you think made them rise above others? Um, yeah, I look back. One of the first ones is like, uh, I know you didn't mention names, but uh, Ryan Lerpinski was, um, he ended up going to Texas A&M. Um, he graduated in 99. Uh, so he was probably one of the first players that really stood out and, um, just his work ethic was incredible. Um, he, um, he was one of those guys he looked, we talked about earlier about, uh, uh, he'd be the first one to take care of the equipment, uh, get the fuel prep, so forth, you know, like that, um, in fact, uh, we had a hope of them back. <laughs> one story comes to mind is we're practicing on the blacktop uh, one day, and and he's coming home on a close play, and he, he goes, he slides. And I said, Ryan, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> You're on blacktop. You don't need to slide. He goes, well, they got to do it again. You know, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, you know, we had to kind of rein him in a little bit. Uh, no, we're not going to be sliding on the on the blacktop uh, during practice, but. Uh, you know, kids like that. I just think back uh, how how hard he worked, um, the time he put into it. Um, another story with him was um, there was a Chicago White Sox scout. Scout was up to watch him um, play basketball. You just wanted to see what he did in other sports. And uh, we were playing uh, over at Freedom, I believe. And uh, so I met the scout there at the game. And um, he's watching them, and the game comes down to a last-second shot, and Ryan puts the shot up, you know, outside shot, makes it, game over. And, you know, Scott looks at me and goes, yep, there's a winner right there. Um, 
you know, so a kid like that, you know, he just he wants the ball in his hands, whether you know, it was a basketball game, he wants the ball in his hands at the game and the game. And I think that's what characteristics uh, we're looking for in uh, uh, when we're looking at leaders or naming captains, uh, guys that want uh, want to be in that big situation at the end of the game. Well, that's that's incredible, and I, you know, I know as you go through these attributes, it's it's hard to leave out your son Brennan. Um, and I'm going to bring him on here in a minute, but I want to ask you, Bill, like when you think about the time in which you coach Brennan and watching him go through your program, uh, the success he had on the field, the impact he's left, you know, even since he's graduated, like what comes to mind? Yeah, Brennan was, uh, you know, following that uh, kind of uh, blueprint of a leader. Um, ever since uh, let's see, freshman year, he started. Uh, he was uh, named a, a couple of years ago. He let the uh, players kind of pick out the captains. Um, I wanted to kind of step away from because my kids were coming through. And uh, he was named a captain as a sophomore by his uh, teammates, even the, uh, the seniors and juniors that year uh, still recognized him as uh, one of the leaders. So that was kind of uh, neat to see that uh, uh, the respect that the other guys were giving him already. Um, you know, and then going to his last game that he played um, um, against Jefferson, pitched a sixth and a third, ran into the uh, pitch count limit. And um, so we had a four to one lead at the time. And just uh, kind of watching him, he knew he was done. And um, coming off the mound, gave the ball to the other pitcher, gave him a hug and told him to finish out the game. And, uh, you know, that gave us our first state championship. So that was kind of unique to see um, him finish up his uh, high school career in that way, coming off the mound and uh, giving the ball to the next pitcher. Well, there's my perfect segue. So I'm going to, I'm going to kick you out of the chair. I'm going to send, bring Brendan back up here um, and just kind of ask him a few questions. All right, I'm all set. All right, Brennan. Hey, um, Tim Gotzler, baseball coach at Menominee Falls. Thanks for joining us today. Hey, um, you know, I was thinking about having you on here for a little bit. And the first thing I thought of was, you know, you're, you're living a Juco life now, you know, a Juco bandit. You're around a guy from all different walks of life. When you think about your time now as a college baseball player, but think mm -hmm. about how you grew up in Denmark, what, what stands out to you about, you know, life in Denmark and playing baseball and how that got you prepared um, for college? I think the, the biggest difference I see is like, growing up playing with this program. It's the attention to detail, uh, doing the little things right every time a play happens, you know, uh, just doing the right thing on every play. There's always a right thing to do and a wrong thing to do. Uh, going to college, you know, the game speeds up a little bit, but it's the same plays over and over, you know, I'm just grateful that, like, growing up, I was taught the right play to make, you know, that type of thing. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think one thing that um, I'd love you to touch on is, like, the chemistry of a high school program and playing with the guys you grew up with and the best friends. And these are probably going to be the best men at your wedding one day. Um, when you think about, like, what builds good team chemistry from a player perspective? 
I think it's just that, like, we were all best friends with each other. I mean, we'd go to practice for two hours, and we'd stick around after practice for another hour just talking. And then we'd go to someone's house and hang out for another couple hours. So, I mean, uh, we spent every second together, basically. Now, I'm grateful, too. I've got three high school teammates down with me at college playing, so that's unique, too. Yeah, extremely. And, you know, for you guys to go through that um, transition together, you know, have those childhood memories and now, you know, growing new memories away from home uh, has got to be special. So you talked about the speed of the game, um, the attention to detail. What else? Like what else stands out about college baseball that maybe you weren't prepared for coming out of high school? Um, I don't know. I mean, baseball I mean at every level is going to be like pretty similar I mean uh yeah I don't know uh <laughs> that's all right um well let's bring it back to Denmark a little bit so you, your younger brothers um is he a senior this year or was he did he just graduate yeah he'll be a senior he is a senior, senior this year, year. Yep. okay so you know 21 your senior year he's on the team you know you're you end up being state player of the year, WBCA all-star, you know, state champ on the mound, all these amazing things. What's it like to be, you know, the older brother in this situation? Um, you know, what stands out um, when you think about that? At the time, like during my senior year, uh, like obviously he was on the team. Like I saw him as another teammate, but now after graduating and watching him play last year, I mean, it's just cool to see him uh, perform at the level he did. Obviously, he got the win last year in the state championship. So uh, just seeing him perform at that level is cool. Watching him. Uh, yeah, I mean. <laughs> well, good. Well, the, the last thing I want to ask you is, uh, you know, playing for your dad and, you know, a lot of uh, – you think about the pressure on a coach's kid and, you know, if you can remember what it was like growing up with your dad being who he is and then eventually get to be a freshman on varsity and climbing your way through the program. Um, what's it like the pressures for playing with your dad? I definitely remember like going into the freshman year and we had a talk together and he told me like, I have to, earn a spot obviously like, I don't just get a spot on varsity because he's my dad I had to beat out a senior at second base uh, I had to uh, earn every second of playing time and he told me that right away and that going into this season I mean just doing the making the right plays doing the right thing keeps you on the field yeah, I mean, he was always harder on me than he was on anybody else, and I'm grateful for that. Yeah, I mean, do you have any advice now that you can look back? You know, if, if there's a if there's a player listening to this who who plays for his dad, you know, is there any advice you could give to to, to that 14, 15 year old? <laughs> Don't take it for granted. Um, Something that not a lot of kids get to experience. Uh, I mean, it can be intimidating a little bit, but, uh, you know, uh, he's, he's a coach, you know, 
I had a lot of coaches in my life. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't really know. Just I would say my advice would be uh, just don't take it for granted and enjoy every second of it. Goes by quick. Well, that's that's a great way to 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 send you back to the couch. Um, I appreciate your time here, and, and and good luck with everything. Yeah, thank you for having me. Yep. All right, Bill. Hey, so I want to kind of bring you back to the 2022 season. Um, I think the first question I have is like managing the expectations, right? You come off the first state championship in school history, you know, 20, 2021. Um, how do you, how do you message into 2022 and manage those huge expectations? Um, going into the 2022 season, um, you know, we, we had a, some experience back. We, um, we lost pretty much all our pitching, though. So the expectations weren't, uh, you know, real high, uh, per se. Um, we figured we'd have a pretty decent uh, team going into it. But um, as the season went along, uh, our pitching came around. We had four pretty solid guys on the mound. And, um, and they, they kind of carried us, uh, for the most part, um, our hitting did pick up from the previous year. Uh, we had some pretty good offense, um, going along with it, but, uh, going into the, um, tournament part of it, uh, we were sent to a different, uh, regional that we had, had never went up against. Uh, we were up against, uh, uh, teams to the South towards, um, uh, Sheboygan, area so we had played uh, Plymouth and Keel the first two games uh, schools that we have never played before um, a lot of those schools were obviously uh, summer ball uh, years ago so they just transitioned to the uh, spring season so um, they were new to us but uh, as we went along um, pitching in the uh, Offense came together at the right times, um, you know, and then obviously accumulated uh, down in uh, Appleton that last uh, Thursday of the year. Yeah, I think, you know, as you think about like blending new players with returning players, um, and you talked about, you know, in your community, there's often a lot of overlap with, with multi-sport kids and, you know, kids may be playing up um, in baseball is, is there other ways that you try to, you know, blend new guys with returning players, maybe kids coming off of JV the, the year before? Um, it's not real difficult to, to blend them in, you know, because these kids, they know each other, you know, um, you know, a senior's going to know a sophomore uh, just as well as he knows his uh, classmate. Uh, so that's not too difficult. In fact, you, you end up getting brothers playing, uh, might be a, a uh, senior brother, a sophomore brother, uh, together. So that's not too difficult of a transition to uh, get these kids playing together. Because uh, as Brennan mentioned before, they, um, you know, after practice was done, they'd sit around in the dugout, like he said, for an hour, and then they'd go to uh, someone's house, um, play videos, or just uh, talk with each other. You know, so they they um, they get along pretty well. So that that's not too uh, difficult of a uh, situation. 
When I think about those times, those when the kids are hanging out, I mean, I know as coaches, there's times we want to try to manufacture, you know, team outings or whatever. But when it's organic like that, when they truly enjoy being around each other, they're breaking bread, hanging out, playing video games, just, you know, being being dudes hanging out. I think that's where a lot of that connection happens. I, I really do. Right. That's, that's great. Yeah, to yeah I know other sports you know, they will have the uh, uh, assigned nights that they're going to have dinner at someone's place or whatnot uh, i mean football every thursday night they have their dinner you know so it's, i don't want to say it's forced on them but uh yeah we're these guys um they just did it on their own um you know they decided okay it's a nice night let's uh let's go to someone's house uh and, and do something some people go and play wiffle ball uh after practice is done at someone's house stuff like that yeah i think you know as much as people want to get caught up into metrics and analytics and data and rankings and all that kind of stuff. But those are things you can't really, you can't put a, a price on. I mean, I think as a coach, you know, when you have it, and then, you know, when you don't have it. Um, and I, th- th- those are the things I think that really contribute to winning as, as I've learned over the years. Would you agree with that? Yeah. Yeah, I agree. It, uh, it, you're never sure what you're going to have going into each season, but uh, um, you quickly find out, uh, you know, if they're, the players' hearts are in it. They're not, you know, and, uh, um, the ones that are in in it, uh, they're going to be the ones that are going to be successful. They're going to be successful teams if you got a, a good group of guys like that. Well, you know, I, as you make a run to the state state finals to Appleton, through the semis, you know, into the finals that that crazy Thursday, which I want to get to in a few minutes. Um, was there a turning point in the season for you guys? Uh, was there a moment that something happened that? that maybe, you know, sets you on a, on a better path? Um, about halfway through the season, um, we had a doubleheader with Freedom, and uh, their pitcher was uh, taking it to us. We were getting perfect gamed into the seventh, and um, we ended up scoring two runs. We lost three to two. It was the front end of the doubleheader. And uh, the next game, we ended up beating them three to two. They were in a split with them, and uh, they were kind of the the top team in the conference at that time. And uh, I think the guys realized, okay, we can you know we can play with anybody. Um, and then uh, we had a couple tough games with uh, Little Shoot uh, the following week, which was another team that, towards the top of our conference, and we beat them both games. So that was kind of the turning point. I thought uh, midway through the season uh, that we were playing with the top teams. And, um, and we were fine. And, you know, and then we kind of pulled away uh, down the stretch in the conference, conference season uh, as it went. Uh, so I think that was uh, uh, where the guys kind of realized, uh, you know, that they're going to have a good season and uh, they could finish strong. Well, and, and you did mention that, you know, you got a different regional assignment and, did that force you guys to make any changes and, you know, in your preparation for the tournament? I mean, I have to imagine you've learned lessons over the years of, you know, here's what, here's regionals, here's sectionals, you know, here's what Appleton looks like. And it's so hard to get through. Um, but what lessons, you know, did you take with you as a coaches preparing for this 2022 postseason? Yeah, it was, um, it- we had some teams, like I mentioned, that uh, we had never seen before. So uh, 
try to get a little bit familiar with them. Uh, fortunately, we got to play. We were the top seats. So we got to play at home, so we didn't have to worry about uh, what the other parks looked like or whatever any significant things that they may have at another place. So, um, so that was a good part that we get. We were able to play the first couple of games at home. Um, you know, as you know, it, baseball is hard to uh, um, to really get a scouting report on teams. You know, you just don't. There's nothing on video or. Uh, you, know, you don't have that huddle program that you can uh, grab something from. Um, so you just kind of, you know, we had a few guys go down, coaches go watch uh, some games. Uh, one team that we scouted quite a bit uh, ended up not making it through it, so we didn't face them. Um, but uh, we had a little bit of information on uh, the teams that we did play. And then uh, into sectionals, we played uh, uh, Xavier and Notre Dame. Um, you know, we had a little bit of we saw those teams play a little bit uh, throughout the season. Um, so as far as preparation uh, went, um, we felt we were uh, prepared as much as we could be. I think a question that I had this conversation with a few coaches last year, but you know, I'll, think, I'll use the sectional environment, right? You know you got to win two that day, right, um, just to get through. How do you – how have you guys managed your pitching? You know, do you – try to win one game at a time. You know, if you have a clear cut ace, he's going to go in the first game. Are you there to try to win two games? Are you trying to get a guy out? Like, you know, what is your thought process of how to manage your pitching in a sectional um, environment? Yeah. I think we've gone about that over the years, different approaches. Um, remember we, uh, 2005 state tournament. Um, we had a, an ace back then and, um, Talking to the kids and said, "Hey, we're here to win this thing. We we end up winning it that year, but uh, we got by the the semi with our number two, and uh, there was a strong team on the other side um, that year, and um, we figured we needed to have our ace against them. Uh, didn't work out, but uh, so that year we went with our number two in that first game, and then second game with the number one." Um, other years we've gone with uh, the hot hand, maybe um, in the first game. You know, might have been a regional. Through the regionals, one pitcher is pitching better. Um, then we'll start him in the sectional. You know, hey, we got to got to get that first one. You know, I think the uh, thought process changes a little bit from year to year. Um, the pitchers are a little bit different year to year too. You know, you know, some year you may have that. Uh, one guy that really stands out and um, other years you might have two guys, three guys that are all very comparable. So I, I think it, it changes year to year. Yeah. I appreciate you laying that out and, and your honesty there. So, you know, you get through, you get through your sectional, you know, you go to your seed meeting, you know, who you're going to play. Um, and if you remember at Appleton this year, so we were fortunate enough to play, what is now going to be the last 8 a.m. game in state tournament history in Division One, which which was a whole new experience, and and now there's some changes happening. But if that day was so humid, right? That day was like it was incredible. Um, you know, the six games they pack in that day, and that was on Tuesday. So then now it's you guys' turn. So talk us through maybe the timeline of events between a Wednesday and Thursday at the state tournament, and like just how you guys manage the logistics of that. 
Uh, first of all, congratulations to you to your teams the last couple of years too being at state. Um, so we went down on that Tuesday uh, to watch the quarterfinals. So we, we ended up watching you guys. Um, Thank you, by the way. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, we had a it was a big game at Whitefish Bay, which uh, was the dominating team all year. You guys knocked them off in the sectionals, correct? Correct. Yeah, sectional final. Yeah, yeah. So that'd be pretty exciting for you guys. Um, so we um, we came down on Tuesday, like I said, to watch the uh, Division One games. I uh, wanted the guys to get that uh, experience of the state tournament um, rather than just coming down on Wednesday because um, we would have been scheduled, I believe, for the 8 o'clock. It would have been the 8, 8, 8.30 game on Wednesday night had the schedule played out as it was scheduled. Um, you know, if you end up losing or you turn around, get back on the bus and go home, it would have been kind of a um, – I don't think the kids would really have – enjoyed the experience as much. So, um, so we wanted to get out, get down there on Tuesday, let them watch some ball. Uh, we stayed down in Appleton and, uh, we went and hit over at nine house field in the cages on uh, Wednesday during the day <clears throat> before we were going to load up. Uh, we went to eat then at the mall <laughs> in the food court. And that's about the time the uh, weather started coming in. Um, in fact, they locked down the mall uh, while we were there, and because uh, of the uh, the winds coming in, uh, there were tornado warnings, and uh, so we finally were able to get out of there. And uh, at that time, as we were finding out that the uh, uh, semifinals for Division Two on Wednesday night were going to be canceled and be made up on Thursday morning over at the uh, Appleton West High School's field. Um, and like you mentioned, was, uh, the Wednesday was very hot, humid day. And, um, so we got up on uh, Thursday morning and then it caught about the halfway through the, uh, first semifinal between, um, uh, Jefferson and Mosinee. And it was a real windy day. Uh, wind was uh, blowing straight out. And in fact, I think there was a, there was a handful of home runs in that first game between Mosinee and Jefferson. And, uh, and finally we got our game, finally got to our game at, uh, about 1130 on, uh, on Thursday morning. And, uh, and that's where the fun began. <laughs> well, um, I can imagine the emotions. So just, you know, I guess looking at the box score, you, you, you guys lived it. Um, I mean, <laughs> I don't know how, how would you describe that semifinal game against Pewaukee? Like it maybe walk us through what's going through your head, some moments of the game. Um, you know, I think you could probably write a 30 for 30 just on that game. Yeah. You know, it's when we got to the field to watch the Mosinee Jefferson semifinal and we see uh, Pewaukee walking in and I remember watching a lot of our guys look at these guys. Holy smokes, those, those guys are big. And, uh, yeah, they had some size to uh, their team. Um, you know, so our, the guys know us that. You know, they're a bigger – they're almost twice as big as us uh, enrollment-wise, too. I think they were like eight, 860 kids. Um, we're about half that size. 
so not just enrollment wise, but uh, physically, they were uh, uh, probably twice their size too. Um, you know, so they right away, you know, that was uh, one thing. And uh, as the games went along, you know, they were beating us pretty heavily. Like I said, we struck out uh, 14 times, so we weren't putting a whole lot uh, of offense together. And uh, at the, uh, about the sixth inning, I think we were down 6-2. And I'm already, I'm third base coach's box. And I'm going to tell you what, well, after this done, uh, uh, load up, we'll head back to Denmark and then uh, get all the equipment put away and maybe uh, head out with the coaches, have a have a drink or two after somewhere. But, uh, um, you know, so that was... Uh, Midway through that game, I was, you know, my thoughts were elsewhere. Maybe, <laughs> maybe I shouldn't have been thinking that. But uh, lo and behold, the uh, seventh inning comes around, and um, uh, so it was the top of the seventh, and we end up scoring seven runs in the top of the seventh, go up nine to six, and uh, you know they they come back and uh, get two themselves, and um, we end up throwing out our shortstop throughout the tying run at the plate with a perfect throw from uh, um, mid-left field. Uh, perfect throw right to the catcher. Catcher made a nice uh, grab and uh, dove at the runner and got the uh, last out of the game. So I think that's one of the most viewed videos. You know, I think whatever that video came out, that play at the plate. Um, so <laughs> take yeah. us like into your head. What's going through your head as that ball is rolling around the outfield, you know, it goes glove to glove. And, and Abe's playing shortstop, correct? Correct. Yeah. Okay. And he seems to be involved in a lot of this in a positive way. So as that relay is coming, like what's going through your head at that time? Um, <laughs> you know, you want to be uh, throwing it uh, for sure. You know, he's, uh, he's made plays like that uh, throughout the year. Maybe not quite to the, uh, uh, dramatic is this one, but uh, you know, as so the ball is coming to the plate, you know, we were in the first base dugout, so we were kind of in line with that throw. And was, yeah, okay, it looks pretty good, it looks good. And uh, Reese Johnson, the catcher, made a nice, uh, you know, grab on it and uh, dive to uh, get the runner out. Um, you know, I just stood there after the call was made and just watching guys uh, run on the field. And uh, that's kind of what I enjoy most is just watching the uh, reaction of uh, the players after uh, a game like that. Well, so that's about as an emotional of a game as you're going to get, you know, with all the changes. And now you got to get prepared for a state championship. So, like, how do you, I don't know, do you bring them down after that? Like, how do you reset and now move on to playing Jefferson in the finals. Yeah, we got a freshman that got on the field right at the end uh, defensively that last inning because we were run, we were pinch running and so forth. And um, yeah, it's a lot of guys got in the game that day, um, that semifinal game that uh, may not have seen the field uh, very often. But uh, kind of a side note there. Um, yeah, so as far as the game gets done, and honestly, um, uh, they made a change. Uh, they were going to play the Division One game first. I think that one was starting at um, three o'clock or so, three three thirty, um, so that uh, the Division Two teams had time to get over to Fox City Stadium 
uh, for the championship. And uh, I got to think back. Uh, we just told him, you know, make sure you get a lot of fluids in them, uh, Gatorades, water. Uh, it was really a hot day. Uh, so we got back on the bus and we went back, we went right over to the uh, stadium and just told him to get some eat there, um, get in the shade. And um, we'd watch the uh, Bayport and um, Milton game. A lot of our uh, connection with Bayport, I uh, know the coaches were Harvey Knudsen real well. Uh, the year before, when Bayport uh, was in the championship, uh, my son Brennan and uh, Reese Piantic, the other pitcher, uh, played with a lot of those Bayport kids um, in travel ball. So they got they knew each other pretty well. But anyway, <laughs> I'm off track here. Um, so we watched that game and uh, got ready for Jefferson uh, rematch of the previous year. So we're pretty familiar with those guys. Uh, they had uh, some pretty uh, uh, strong guys back uh, the Serrano, the shortstop, and uh, the Tether Butista, um, real good hitter. Uh, so we were familiar with those uh, those guys. Um, and we knew we were in for a game and uh, came up to the last inning, bottom of the seventh, and uh, Hayden Conco, who uh, probably you know, wouldn't want anybody else up there at the plate in that situation. Runners at first and second, and uh, he hit one one hop the wall in right field on a pitch that was probably up by his uh, eyes, but uh, put a good piece of the bat on the ball and, uh, and won the game. I mean, yeah, that that was a pretty well located pitch in the eyes of a pitching coach, right? And then he just he pops yeah. it out, yeah. pops it out there about three hundred and thirty feet. I mean, it's just it was an un- unbelievable moment for you guys. I, it's you know, but as as a coach, like how your team seemed to be rising to the occasion, right? They seem to be able to manage their emotions, and I think that's maybe what I'm looking for. Really, is like how is there something you guys are doing? Is there a message you're sending? Is it from the players? Like, how are you able to keep your keep your cool um, during all this? Because again, like you said, the Jefferson game that was no shortage of emotions. It wasn't, you know, that was a, a wild game to be, as it was. Like, is there something that you guys are doing as a coaching staff or as a program to manage the emotions of Appleton? Um, yeah, that game was back and forth. Uh, we got off to the lead, the one or two run lead. They took the lead. We. We tied it back up. Um, yeah, it was a back and forth game. Uh, as far as the emotional part of it, um, I think these guys have been in these situations a lot throughout, you know, just during the regular season. Um, it, we had a lot of close games. Um, it, you know, you asked about 30 points uh, in the season. Um, you know, I mentioned that freedom. Uh, game coming back and winning the second game. Um, just before that game, if I was thinking back, uh, we played Wapaka down. Um, uh, was it eight to three in the sixth inning? It was like that. And we scored uh, nine runs in the top of the seventh to come back in that game. They've been in uh, games like that throughout the year. They get Green Bay Southwest, we played at the end of the year. Um, I think we were down two nothing going to the seventh. And uh, we score three runs in the bottom of the seventh. So these kids uh, throughout the whole year 
um, always believed in themselves that they, uh, the game's never done, um, that, that, that they can come back. Um, it really was, um, you know, I look back at the, uh, the entire season and, um, there was nothing easy about, you know, they won 28 games, only lost three, but, uh, yeah, there, there was dozens in there that, uh, Hey, uh, okay. How did, how the heck did we win that game? You know? So they, um, they fought, they never let up then. And, uh, it kind of showed that last day versus Pewaukee and Jefferson were kind of just, the um, recap of the whole season. Really, you know, in one day they uh, showed what they did uh, throughout the season. Well, that's incredible. I mean, congrats to you and, and your entire team and your program and your community because, I mean, again, you've been at this long enough to know how difficult it is. And, um, you know, I guess my, my last question about Appleton is just like, what lessons have you learned? You talk about being there in 05 and obviously the last two years and, you know, being right there in that area, all those years, like what lessons have you learned? If it's logistically, how to prepare your team, you talk about going to the mall, you talk about taking BP here, like, you know, how, how would you guide a coach who's getting ready to go to Appleton for their first time? Um, we've changed the last two years because, Things have changed with last this past year with the uh, the weather, so we ended up having to play both games uh, on the same day. But then looking back at the year before, was uh, off the COVID uh, logistics, you know, with that. And what they did then was uh, we had to play, or each team played on a day, right? If you recall, um, a Monday Division Four played all three games, and then Tuesday and three played. Division two, we played on Wednesday, both semis, and then the final on Wednesday. Um, so things have changed in, in back, uh, as you mentioned, uh, 02 and 05 played. Then they played everything on the same day. Well, uh, Division um, Division two did, played everything on the same day. Um, the schedule right now is supposed to be uh, two games on Wednesday and the championship on Thursday. We've haven't experienced yet in the four times we've been at state everything's been on uh, we played both games on the same day um so no matter how you prepare <laughs> the plans get uh, plans can get th- thrown out the window anyway but uh typically we like to get down um as i mentioned before is kind of uh, let the kids experience get that experience of being at the state tournament so we'll go down and watch uh as I mentioned, we watched the Division One quarterfinals last year on that Tuesday. Uh, before we went down the day before and uh, watched the uh, Division Three games, um, uh, so they played out. Um, so we're down there early, watch those, and then try to get some uh, batting practice in at one of the local schools. Uh, we went to Appleton North, uh, used their field. Um, here we were at Appleton West and used the cages. Um, just let, most of the thing, most part is letting the kids enjoy the experience. Um, you know, you go down and play, and if you end up losing back, it's like, oh, that wouldn't seem like it was the best experience in their lives, you know. 
um, if that's the way you go about it. So I like to get them down there and well, for a few days and enjoy it. Uh, we, we have great committee support. Uh, as you may saw the last few years, uh, we've uh, had great crowds come to, uh, especially at Fox City Stadiums. <laughs> I know people weren't able to get to the uh, Appleton West field. Uh, they're, they're a very good uh, view of the game because of the, uh, the size of the uh, stands. But uh, when they got over to Fox Stadium for the championship, uh, we had a tremendous amount of people there, which is, uh, uh, really helps uh, kids uh, um, feed off of that. They see the, uh, the following that they have. Well, and I think there's, you know, <clears throat> there's a lesson you said in there inadvertently, but kind of at Appleton, you got to expect the unexpected. You know, you as much as mm -hmm. we want to be scripted and, you know, you think about a know, high school football or it's, you know, seven o'clock every Friday night or Major League Baseball, it's 7.05 and you can work your calendar backwards and, you know, American Family Field's got a roof. But in high school baseball, even at state tournament, you, you got to expect the unexpected and be able to change on a dime and, um, I think it shows, you know, how to handle some adversity there. Um, right. La exactly. Last question I have for you, because I've kept you over an hour now. Um, so you just recently retired. You know, this is your first year not teaching. Um, you've been a you know, Hall of Fame coach, 30 plus years. Like what's what's left for you? Like what keeps you going every year? Um, you know, right this season, right, we're in December right now. And I'm excited about, uh, you know, open gym starting uh, in January just to see the guys uh, get out there and uh, throw the ball. Um, that's what uh, gets me going, is just, uh, the anticipation of uh, the, a new season. Um, and with the, seeing the excitement of the kids uh, when they're out there, um, it's, uh, it's kind of what keeps going. Uh, I really enjoy uh, game day, but uh, it's the uh, uh, preparation before it is uh, um, it's enjoyable. Uh, practices, I, I love going to practice, getting the practice schedule set up and, you know, see, seeing how it's going to work out, see if I uh, put something together that's going to work that day or not and uh, make the changes for the next one. Um, if it didn't work out, and uh, you know, just uh, when the kids have fun practice, um, I think that's enjoyable for myself, the other coaches, um, seeing that. And uh, uh, I think that helps a lot is with, at the practices, you know, we make them uh, competitive, we, you know, situational type of things, make it competitive for the guys. And it's, it's like they're playing a game every day. Um, for themselves and uh, that way the practices aren't uh, monotonous or, you know, dragged out, you know, get the things in there that need to get done and uh, get out of there. <laughs> then they have their, uh, they have their powers, powers uh, with themselves afterwards at someone else's time. Well, we're, we're glad the baseball is better in Wisconsin uh, with you in it and that the fire still burns. And coach, I want to say thank you for hopping on today and, and thank you to Brennan for, for jumping in for a little bit as well. And, um, can't wait to see you in February at the WBCA. Thanks, Tim. I really enjoy uh, talking ball with you. And uh, best of luck to you and Manami Falls uh, this spring as well. Thanks, Coach. 
just first class all the way. Uh, thanks, Coach. Really appreciate your time, all that you do. You know, just an absolute pillar in your community. You know, you think about as a teacher, as a dad, as a husband, as a coach, an alumni, a community member, um, you know, and just a pillar within our, our baseball community. And, you know, you, you really you wish success on people. You know, you have that, that mudita, right, that vicarious joy in other people's success. And obviously someone has to win, someone has to lose, and, and everything else. But, like, you know, when you think about guys who've, who've put the time in, who, who do things right, um, coach kids hard, love on them, and now get a chance to coach their sons through and, and do, do so much within our game. Just so happy for Coach. Excited to hear from him on stage here this weekend and hopefully get to, to shake hands and, and chat a little bit. So, like I mentioned, love to see you at the clinic. Uh, I'm working the booth, uh, Friday night registration booth. I have the uh, 5.30 to 9.30 slot and a couple uh, beverages maybe after. But um, hope to see you all up there in Madison. You know, thank you to everyone at the association, executive board, speakers, and, and it takes it takes a village to put these things together um, in regards to the convention and the clinic. And um, yeah, look forward to see you guys there as as we march towards spring season. Have a great rest of your day.